Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sport, transness, sci-fi, gaming, nerd geek culture, and other stuff. And it's underway all over Japan. Even without the fans, let the games begin. The Olympics have started, and in Sapporo, history was made. It's a place for me to, you know, trailblaze as a, as a trans athlete. It is a lot of pressure, I think, in some senses. I wanted to use my platform and I want to be outspoken, but I think at the same time, you know, I'm only one voice in that. And I'm hoping that, you know, with my voice, I can just start to uplift other trans voices in our community. That was Quinn on the Transporter Room in October last year. The standout Canadian national team and NWSL midfielder had come out as trans and non-binary two months before that interview. The record will show that on July 21st, 2021, Quinn suited up for Canada's women's national soccer team and took on the host nation in the first game of the Olympic tournament. In that game, the person wearing number five for Canada was tracking forwards and strikers, was making key tackles, was helping set up scoring chances to help their team win. Quinn played 69 minutes against Japan. Every minute counted. The final records will show that the game ended in a tie at one between Canada and Japan. But history will also note that on this day, Quinn became the first trans and non-binary athlete to step on the stage in an Olympic Games and compete for their country. As an athlete and as a transgender person who loves sports, it was worth waking up for. Quinn, you rocked. And I salute you. Also, in Olympic soccer, opening games of the tournament for the United States as well. They played in Tokyo, and they were coming into this match sporting a 44-game win streak. And they ran into the team that yeeted them out of the Olympic tournament in Rio. And it goes, the header, off the post, the follow-up, and it's in. And it's a second goal for Sweden. With a deep cross, Hurtig 3-0. Lena Hertig with the header, and Sweden are taking Team USA apart here in Tokyo. And Sweden took Yankee Doodle to town again with a 3-0 pounding. Away from the competition, important Olympic news for Australia today. Congratulations are in order for the city of Brisbane. The city in Queensland got the call to host the 2032 Summer Olympics. We look forward to being in Australia in 32. Also, big ups to Luke Prokop. The Nashville Predators prospect came out as gay via Twitter and Instagram on Monday, the first player under an NHL contract to do so in the league's history. A defenseman who played for the Western Hockey League's Calgary Hitman last season, Prokop said it was the pandemic that was the catalyst for them moving forward. I came home from Calgary after my season ended because of COVID. I was lying in bed one night 
just deleted a dating app for the fourth or fifth time and I was just extremely frustrated because I couldn't be my true authentic self. And in that moment I said, enough's enough. I'm accepting who I am. I want to live the way I want to and I'm going to accept myself as a gay man. Prokop is the second player in the major men's professional sports to come out in the last two months. In June, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib became the first active NFL player to do so. Prokop will be in Predators camp this fall and support has come from throughout the Predator organization and from the highest levels of the National Hockey League. Commissioner Gary Bettman said in a statement on Monday, quote, on behalf of the National Hockey League, we are proud of Luke Prokop for his announcement, and I would like to thank him for sharing his truth and being so brave. Commissioner Bettman, if we all keep doing our part to make sports more inclusive, then future Luke Prokops won't have to be so brave. Hashtag just saying. And speaking of bravery, big ups to Justice Advocate General and good friend of the show, Chase Strangio. The ACLU's Point Legal Eagle for Trans Rights swoops down on a federal court in Little House, Little Rock, Arkansas Wednesday. The goal, stopping the state's ban on affirming health care for trans youth. The law that they passed earlier this year goes in effect next week. With bravery in mind, big ups to our favorite Justice Advocate General and friend of the show, Chase Strangio. The ACLU's Point Legal Eagle for Trans Rights swoops down on a federal courthouse in Little Rock, Arkansas Wednesday. The goal, stopping that state's ban on affirming care for trans youth that was passed earlier this year. The law goes into effect next week. It is fitting in a deeper sense that on the same day that a transgender athlete stepped onto the Olympic stage for the first time, that somebody else is stepping on the stage to fight to make sure that a future hopeful can have that same chance in Beijing in 2022, in Paris in 2024, in Milan in 2026, in Los Angeles in 2028, and in Brisbane in 2032. And the Olympics will be the prime focus of our guest this week. We're going to look to one of the marquee sports of the Olympics for a little bit of a preview, women's basketball. And some feel that this could be the most contentious women's basketball round in years. And we have an expert analyst and friend of the podcast coming in to talk about it from Fans Only Sports and Truman's Tales. We're going to beam them up right now from Houston, Texas. Lauren Rosenberg coming to the transporter room. Energize. All right, what's up, Carly? How's hey, it going? Lauren, how you doing? Wait a minute. That I'm okay? Just good. making sure we we don't have like no no alternate Laurens, no no duplicate Laurens. We always have to check and make sure that we always have, we always have to check and make sure molecules come in right. I'm still learning the still learning the transporter, still learning it. it's new technology. In fact, we just upgraded it just in time for the Olympics. But Lauren, how are you doing? It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's really good to see you too. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just, you know, gearing up for the Olympics. For I'm so excited for softball and baseball to come back. I cannot wait to watch Israel baseball <laughs> maybe get smushed in their first round. I'm so excited to 
see him now, play. Now, one question. Will there be a uh, – so Israel baseball made the Olympics, so will there be a mensch yeah. on the bench? <laughs> There'll be a lot of mentions on the bench. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want. No, but particularly, I, I'm looking for the mascot here. Remember from the World Baseball Challenge? Yeah, I, I am, or the World I, Baseball Classic. I'm looking for that again. I and, hope that I hope mention the bench is there. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Also, um, since we know that, hey, you, even though you're in Texas now, you're all about your Missouri Tigers. All about your yes. Missouri Tigers. So in honor of you making your second appearance in the transporter room, I made sure that I got one of your favorite Missouri Tigers as the background tonight. Yep, I see that Lauren Aldridge as picture back the, there. Let's get into brass tacks. We're at the Olympic break in the WNBA. We have an Olympic game. We have an Olympic Games coming up. We have the Olympic draw. And once again, the United States, heavy favorite. Heavy favorite, but there has been a little bit of controversy about this U.S. team. You've been a little bit critical as well. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to give you the coach's whistle and the clipboard. Who is on this team that shouldn't be? Who's not on this team that should be? I, oh my gosh, I truly hate saying this because I really like her as a player, and she's from Missouri. She went to UConn, though, but I forgive her. Um, Nafisa Collier. Forward from the Minnesota Lynx. She was uh, MVP, MVP, wow, <laughs> a rookie of the year, rather, in 2019. Should not be on this team. Okay. Shouldn't be on this team. No. Shouldn't be on this team. Because it's tough. It's hard to say who should and shouldn't be. But, okay, if not Nafisa Collier, who should? This shouldn't shock anyone to be 100% honest at all. Neko Gumake should 100% be on this USA Women's Basketball team. She's been told to trust the process, and I say that with heavy quotes, in that her time will come. When, like, Team USA went on the tour to all the different colleges and were doing all those, you know, like, friendly kind of games, she was the one that was leading Team USA in points. Why is she not on this team? She was told, trust the process and your time will come to get to the Olympics, right? She did. She did all that. She proved that she should be on this USA women's basketball team a million times over. And Team USA failed her. The most shocking thing to me was not seeing her name on that list. There are a few players that did actually kind of shock me, but not like who went, who were on the list, but not in the way that Nafisa being on the list shocked me the most. Like, it's all intertwined. They're both forwards. So, essentially, it was either, in retrospect, Neca or Nafisa. And the committee chose Nafisa. I've never been the biggest fan of the whole, of the whole criterion. I've never been the greatest fan that... It, it seems to me that USA basketball, especially for the women's, seems to have, in a lot of ways, a preset team before they even start. And there's really no way to break in that. There's really very little avenues for it to break in that, even though this year there are more newcomers than in, than in past years. Big thing to note on this pre-selection first is the bias of the committee. Because the committee 
has Gino Ariema on it. So naturally, you're going to get a ton of UConn people, right? Dan Hughes, the former head coach of Seattle, is on it. You're going to get some storm people. That's just what's going to happen. Um, I excuse Kurt Miller from this because he the only Connecticut type of thing is that he's head coach of the Sun. But there, the other woman who I don't even care to – this sounds horrible. I don't even care to remember her name, but she's resigning after the Olympics. Carol Collin, who's going to head out. Thank after you. The game. Yes. Carol Collin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. And she's the one that I think was, like, the one that mainly spearheaded a lot of this stuff and a lot of the committee. So you see – how UConn heavy this team is. You got Anna Tarasi, Sue Bird, Nafisa. Oh my God. I and, and I'll say this. I'll make my edgy statement. Diana Tarasi should not be on this team. If she's not 100%, you don't put her. Yeah, I mean, it pains me to say that. It really pains me to say that, but I do agree. But that was the one that, I, that's the one that got to me was. She's not 100%. No, she's not. And, like, I do agree with that, and that hurts me to say this. Like, it genuinely, like, pains me on the inside to say that. But with her injuries this season, which is so unfortunate, she was having such a great season before it, um, it was, I think it was too high of a risk for the reward you could get if you went with someone else. For shooting guard, she's um, she sat out the exhibitions, um, the All Star game against Australia and against Nigeria, to make sure that she's all nice and rested up, and she feels very close to a hundred. And now she has another week, it, like ish, to um, figure that out for sure. I understand why they put Tarasi on because I feel like if you're gonna put Sue on, you have to put Tarasi on. I feel like that was like the mindset going into that and as much as like as much as it pains me i do believe she took someone else's spot let's start with the u.s draw because the united states didn't get off light here i don't think they did the united states did not get off light you've got france who is strong who who is a strong team nigeria which has a lot of firepower which is really nigerian american and Japan and the host Japan and Japan is not a slouch team. No. They're no slouch by any stretch. A little bit undersized, but good shooters, a lot of speed, play good defense. Yes. So that's not exactly a duck walk group for the United States. No, it's not. And I think if we're, I'm going to start with like Japan first. So yes, Japan is quite undersized and won't really have like the interior matchup against Brittany Griner and Sylvia Fowles and Tina Charles, they won't have that good of a matchup with them on the inside being there. Because BG is a tower. I mean, they're all towers. They're, they're tall. But BG is hard to stop. You need, like, the right people to make sure that she doesn't get hot. But they have great shooters. Parameter defense in my opinion, is what lacks the most on this USA team. USA has everything good. Their interior defense is great. Their shooting's great. They're able to drive to the hoop, do whatever. Like, that's fine, right? Their perimeter defense is 
going to be up for a rude awakening against Japan. And this is not, like, to bash on, like, the guards and the players. Like, Super is obviously great. Kyler Dickens-Smith, her defense has improved a lot on the perimeter since she had to, like, really step up when uh, DT was out for the Mercury earlier this WNBA season. But they need to really tighten up. That's the issue. I think France is one of the most underrated teams. Because I feel like even though they're, like, really, really tough and everything, I feel like they just kind of overlooked. Um, but they got Gabby Williams. And Gabby Williams has been on fire. She's now on the L.A. Sparks after getting traded from the Chicago Sky. I think that they're incredibly underrated with Gabby also being able to steer that team. Nigeria. Um... Last year, pre-COVID, the U.S. almost lost to Nigeria, and that, that was something. <laughs> that, that was, I was actually at a Mizzou men's basketball game. I was helping out my uh, KCOU guys to make sure that their broadcast went smoothly with all the equipment. And so I'm watching the men's basketball game, like, you know, on thing, and then I have my phone right in front of me watching that U.S. and Nigeria game. I remember just, like, looking down during timeouts of the Mizzou game, and I was like, Oh no, oh no, oh no. Nigeria almost pulled off that upset. Nigeria this year at the game, um, the exhibition, did not play that well. I mean, they got Erica Gwumake, who's amazing at Rice University. But then you get to the point where Elizabeth Williams, NECA, and Shanae Gwumake can't play. And Elizabeth Williams was playing in that exhibition. So I think Nigeria without Elizabeth Williams in particular because Neka and Cheney weren't playing at all in that game are not going to be as feared would be. Now, what's your thoughts on that entire situation? Well, Cheney was already kind of with them and with Nigeria, so I'm not counting Cheney at all in this. NECA and Elizabeth were obviously very close calls and everything to figure out if they were eligible for the team or not. And then they got denied and go through the appeal. NECA's still injured. She still has that knee injury. Um, Elizabeth was fine, but because finalized rosters and stuff didn't have to be set until Sunday, so Elizabeth was able to play even during her appeal. And then when they got word that the appeal was denied and Elizabeth and Neca couldn't play. I think that really kind of made people realize how screwed up the FIBA rules are. It's very much outdated and needs to change. It doesn't make sense. If someone is willing to give up their association with Team USA, even though they've been on it for more than 10 years and been playing for them, been loyal to all that stuff, then by all means, they should be allowed to play knowing that they're sacrificing that. And I first heard that Chene and, uh, and, and Neka were going to play for Nigeria. I was thinking Butch Lee in 1976. I really thought that was going to be women's basketball's Butch Lee moment where – where, oh my God, the, the kid you didn't pick for the United States who could play for someone else came back and haunted you with it. Moving over to Group A, 
because a person, my favorite, my, my team I'm kind of rooting for is in A. Because you've got Korea, Serbia, Spain, and my personal favorite, Canada. Who I think is a dark, a dark horse medal contender. I really like the Canadians. Oh, I can't even, oh, I love the Canadians. He a nurse, um, Ricardo, Natalie, Achanwa, WNBA rep is in Canada. <laughs> they are there. And they're definitely a dark horse. And people are overlooking them so bad because it's Canada. Do they not see the star power that they have on that team? Kia Nurse is an all-star in the WNBA. Like, she was a previous all-star in the WNBA. Like, it blows my mind. One player I'm really looking at at Canada, I think, is who who I think will make an impression at these games. Because Kia Nurse, we know, can play. Kia Nurse is, is yeah. a proven player. Bridget Carlson is a proven player. Achunwa, well, Achunwa is a is a is also a proven player. But I but one player I'm looking at, I think who's really going to turn it out is the same kid who turned out the final four, Shayna Pellington. I have a feeling yes. she's going to turn out in Tokyo just like she did at the final four. This is a good Canada team. The Koreans it's are going to be so tough. Fun. I mean, the Koreans are going to be tough. Spain is going to be the big obstacle. I think Serbia is going to hang in there. I mean, that's one thing. This entire Olympic draw, there's no gimmies in any game. You know, there's no, always not usually in the Olympic. Usually in the Olympics, there's always one or two. There, no, there's there's WNBA caliber and high division one caliber talent all over this draw. I would love to see can I would love to see Canada get into a knockout round, get an opportunity because I believe they can. I I think they can medal in this. I think they can too. I want them to go bad. I don't care. Gold, silver, bronze. Give me something. Because mm -hmm. Canada, like, please. Like, y'all got the talent. And I'm, like, I'm refreshing myself on the roster right now. They also got Kayla Alexander on that team. And then this just happened a few days ago. Aaliyah Edwards is on that team. Like, UConn and everything. Like, she is coming. She, this is going to be like her first true test of like really showing UConn fans even more of what they can, of what she can do. Like she was on the all freshman team in 2020-2021 season. So again, yeah, like they know what she can do. It's quite obvious what she can do. I mean, Biggie's sixth woman of the year, right? If she does extremely well, this, um... Olympics and just shows out whether she's like high up on the bench or like if she's like kind of low on the bench and is able to still get minutes, she can really excite you, confidence. Now over to Group C. There are people who think that this is the Opal's time to win the gold. Lauren, what do you think? Oh man, did they say that before Liz left or after Liz left? I don't because know they, I they've been saying that since the um, warm up game. Okay, so literally, like Liz was gone already. Um, is this their gold medal team? Maybe. I think this is the hardest maybe close to yes I've ever said in my life for Australia. Because yes, the United States is vulnerable right now, but 
what was that United States team or what would have been that United States team against Australia if they had Tarasi? They're going to have to face Tarasi some ways, probably somewhere in this, um, in this Olympics, they're going to more likely have to face a team with Diana Tarasi in it. And sure. Like Australia beat USA exhibition thing and that was such a fun game to watch you know i'm a huge wnbl fan i love my down under i love the melbourne boomers down there i know you love him Vera. it's okay yeah, so we friends <laughs> um go caps <laughs> go boomers so like i know like so like you're familiar with them and everything and sarah blikovs is now on that team replacing liz that's huge oh she was so much fun to watch in the WNBL. She's so much fun to just watch her highlights from the NBL one playing in right now. She can go off. She's like, in my opinion, she's a two, three, four player. And she's like six, two, I believe. But she, in my opinion, plays a lot bigger than she actually is. And maybe that like, won't like, replace Liz because it's hard to replace six eight Liz Cambage. Very hard to do that. But I think that she will be able to help with this team. And I think she'll end up starting. You got Ezie Magnagor who I adore. I love her. I've loved her since I uh, started watching the Boomers in 2019, like 2019, 20 season, like just amazing. Like, up-and-coming star, so much fun to watch in the WNBA, so much fun to watch in WNBL. I'm so excited to watch her play in the Olympics. We've got Kayla George, who may be a forward, maybe a center forward, but she can shoot the three. She's a lot more versatile than what people think. She's more, in my opinion, like a point forward. So... She's a former WNBA player as well. She plays for the Boomers and the WNBL. But she's just, she got a lot of talent. She can actually bring the ball up the floor, which is actually quite impressive. It's the red alert sound. You know what that means. We have to take a break, you know, give some love to the sponsors, pay a couple bills. But when we come back, more with Lauren Rosenberg on the Olympic tournament. Who's going to be coming out of this Olympic break? and why the WNBA needs to get bigger. I'm talking expansion. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, our guest from Fans Only Sports women's basketball analyst Lauren Rosenberg. And Lauren, we've been talking about a lot of talent, getting ready for this Olympic tournament, and getting ready for the rest of the WNBA season. But there's so much talent here. I think this is a sign that the WNBA needs to expand. What do you think? There's a tweet yesterday. For, I think it was from Front Office Sports. I'm not sure. I did retweet it saying that Kathy Engelbert is like basically ready for expansion. And then they listed the four teams, Houston, Charlotte, Toronto, 
and Philly, I believe, are the four. And Houston. Houston. Now. Right now. Yesterday. Like, my butt, if I am still living in Houston, Texas, I'm currently in Houston, Texas, not a suburb, the city. Nope. That. But, um, but in all seriousness, when the comments come back, Houston, Texas, I don't care whether or not I'm covering it or I'm going as a fan, I will pay all the money if I'm going as a fan, literally all the money to get a front row ticket for that. The city of Houston will to this whole entire city. Like, Houston, please. So to get on to like what you said, the talent is growing so hard because of the exposure that they're now doing. And I think last season with the new CBA that was signed in like, like last year in 2020 um, to the Wubble season where people really started noticing the WNBA after the Atlanta dream uh, campaign for Warnick against their, you know, former owner who I'm not going to say her name because her name does not deserve to be said. (laughs) And I think a lot of people were really like, I got a, I got a chance to, I talked to two of the new owners on the podcast a few weeks ago. It was awesome to talk about that. So, no, we don't need to mention that other person who owned this team. Perfect. So, I think people just, like, we're starting to, like, really realize, oh, my gosh, this is, like, these people are the real deal. And then they start, you know, watching their games and everything because exposure of the whole league went skyrocketed last year. The draft. Oh, yes, it did. It really did. Oh. This year's draft up because, you know, ESPN decided to do this cool thing called broadcasting on ESPN. (laughs) Who would have known that if you broadcast two drafts last year and this year's on the main network, that it'll grow. Who knew that you'd get more views, right? Right? (laughs) So the new Houston team, if there is a new Houston team, and I'll admit I'm, I'm reading your tweet right now. I say... Yes on Houston, Toronto. No one, Charlotte. I say yes on Houston, Toronto. I say maybe on Philadelphia. I say no one, Charlotte. But I'm not at the Engelbert. But the new Houston team, do you call them the Comets? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't. If you call Houston women's basketball team, if you call them another thing other than the Comets, it ain't going to feel right. This game is growing, but still, why do you, do you feel that there's still the stigma out there that's saying we can't, we can't invest in women's basketball? And if so, why? Completely. And my reasoning for that is simply because of a lot of the um, networks still kind of being scared to like broadcast women's basketball. Cause like, even though ESPN has like, you know, strides in putting it and like, now we got like Amazon prime in Facebook and Twitter are back and doing their broadcasts. League pass is so cheap as well. And like, you can also watch like future, future, not future games, past games. On League Pass, like, you can, like, really get exposed to it. I think League Pass is, like, 17 bucks. Like, it's all here. Right. I still feel like they're worried 
about their audience and if their audience will be retained. And now my thought of this, I've had this discussion a million times before. My thought on that is break that, break out of that mindset. You lose people because you're broadcasting women's basketball or just promoting it or just women's sports in general, then they aren't true supporters. You're going to bring in a new demographic of people who love women's sports. You're going to bring them in. That's what you're going to do. And I think they fail to realize that that is going to be more than the amount of people that leave and stop supporting. I don't think they realize this. We want coverage. The league wants coverage. And yes. so far this year, we've had we've had a great year. We've had some players that have we've had some players that you don't know about that all of a sudden you are knowing about. Marina Mabry is one of them for Dallas. She's been going off, like off. And people did not expect that. Yeah, she's been killing it. Also, a personal favorite of mine is Lisha Clarendon. Who oh, got traded? And well, but the thing is, getting first getting waived by the Liberty, and me being a Liberty fan, still very upset with that. But then latching onto the links and immediately making it and making a game to game impact. They've played. Yeah. He played his butt. He got game. There's no he two ways about it. They are playing ball. They're balling right now. I would have given I would have given them a spot on Team USA just cause and just said, no, you've been balling here, here you earned this. Right, and- right. And like, so I was actually at uh, his last game that he didn't even play in for the Liberty. My first ever WNBA game. It was the Lynx at the Liberty. My first ever, believe it or not. Um, and I was so excited to watch him play. I was like to my cousin, I'm like. Sarah, like, that's Leisha, like, that's him warming up, or I said, I used they for that, I was like, that's him warming up, like, oh my god, look, like, ah, like, freaking out, and I was like, I'm so excited to watch them play, you get to watch them play, it's so great, they're like the first trans person openly in the, I was just like, freaking out, like, literally like that, like, talking so fast, and my cousin's like, you need to chill for a second, comes the end of the game, zero minutes, and then later that night, like, one o'clock in the morning, I was still awake, they waved them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no. I was like, need to find a place. Blah, 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 blah. Found it at Minnesota. And especially with Ariel Powers out. You know, my home girl, my home girl, Ariel Powers with her out. They they've been rocking it. And then finally, after all the hardship things, having me waved and this and that, getting the rest of the year. Contract after the links waived Rachel Banham because she was getting paid like a hundred five thousand, um, like vastly overpaid. Rachel Banham was, and then Clarendon getting the rest of the year, and then them also being able to resign um, Bridget Carl, Bridget uh, Carlton. Wow, Rachel Banham. Oh my gosh, this team is great. Like I'm so excited, and like he's just been playing so well. And it's one of my personal favorites. My favorite is Alicia Clark. And it still pains me that she can't play this year. But, like, Lasia, oh, yeah. Tied with, like, number one. Well, now, 
we're, since we're getting near, getting near the end, want to get some of the quick hitters in. Number one, at the break, who's WNBA MVP right now? At, who's the Olympic break MVP? John Quell Jones. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Okay, good. <laughs> I had a feeling because I was wondering, when we're going to talk about JJ in here, John Quell has been playing. Oh, yeah. Who said that she had to be rusty after not playing last season? Yeah, no. Oh, my God. She's been bawling out and everything. Oh, my God. She almost dunked that um, fast break bucket, too. And I was like, I was watching it at um, the dinner table with my mom. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. And then she, she didn't uh, dunk it. But I was just like, I don't even care. Like. She's just been playing so well. She's added a three to her game like Tina Charles has. So she's just getting way harder to guard and to play, and she deserves it over everyone right now. Just the numbers are crazy. Number two in the number two in the league in points per game. Number one in the league in rebounds per game. I mean, twenty averaging 21-11 a game. Yes. 21-11 a game. John Kell's been great. John Kell's been great. Now, as far as the Olympics, who do you see for the medals? Who's getting a medal out of this? Gold USA. Okay, you you think the United States will still still has enough to get the gold? I can uh, I will agree with you on that one. I think the yes. United States will 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 come through again. Now, silver. Australia. Whoa. Okay, so it'll be it'll be USA Opals, USA yes. Opals for the championship. How close a game you think for gold medal game? How close will it be? Within like five points. Five, it's going to be tight. A five point game. Oh, okay. So it's going to come down to the end there. Oh yeah, it's going to be a tight. Nice We're all going to be on our toes. It's gonna be a late game. It's gonna be a late game, but no Telly Bevelock was walking through that door. Yes, oh my God. yes, love, t- love you. Favorite, favorite Opal. Tubby, t- uh, huge fan of Tully. And by I the way, t- Tully had a birthday a couple of days ago. Happy 49th, Tubby Tully Bevelacqua. 49. Wait. Tully, you're only one year, Tully, you're only one year behind me. See, it's old it's older girls gotta stick together on that one. Now, bronze. This is, this might be a bold prediction, right? This might be very bold. Ooh, I cannot believe I'm about to say this. France. Whoa. Okay, why France? You said France is no slouch. Give me the rundown. Give me another, a little bit more on France because they got a squad. There's no question. They're an underrated squad. Yes. Very underrated. I feel like that's why. That's why I just really want them to really get medal. And they're ranked like number five in the nation. Nation, not the nation. <laughs> Imagine number five in the well, nation. Number five in basketball nation. Basketball, yes, the exactly. Nation, the basketball United Nations. Yes, there we go. See, and here's. Here's really why I, I want them to win gold so bad is because of, of Olivia Puba. I love her. She is so teeny. She's okay. She's five foot five. And when she was playing at the WNBL 1920 season, 
she was like almost averaging a double double in points and rebounds. She reminds me of Leilani Mitchell so much in that she plays bigger than five foot five. And an issue I saw with teams who were playing against her, um, like weren't she was like slithering to the hoop to get a rebound, and they weren't boxing her out because. They were like, oh, five foot five, whatever. Like in my head, that's what I think they were thinking. Like, oh, she's five. Now, nah, like, it's fine. <laughs> Don't underestimate her. I feel like teams are going to continuously underestimate her and what she can do. And I ain't down for that. Like, at all. I feel like she is going to help with Gabby Williams. I got Ileana Rupert, who just got drafted. Uh, Maureen Johannes. Like, they got all these, like, really good people. And I'm ready for them to go all underdog and get the bronze. I'm ready. And and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna I agree with your first I agree with your first two. I agree with the U- I agree I agree with USA and Australia. But the bronze medal game, this is what's going to happen. It's gonna be France has to. In, France must inbound. France still needs to inbound. There's five point five left. They got to inbound. They're up one. They're up one. They bring Grude in to rebound. Try and get height over it because because a certain team that wears red and white and has a maple leaf on it has been on them a lot of the day. They've been in their passing lanes. They're trying to get it to a pupa. Oh no! Look who that is, the kid from the University of Arizona. Steel Bucket Canada. Bronze. But that's the great thing about the growth of women's basketball. No one I mean the la, there have been Olympic tournaments in the past where there was one team where you knew, okay, that that's the team. That's a, that if this team can get over sixty in a game, call it a moral victory. But there's no yeah. I mean and you know what's funny? All the people who talk about there's no parody, there's no parody in women's basketball. There's no parody in women's basketball. Then here's where the parody is. Meanwhile, the men's it's the same. It's the same two or three teams. It's gonna be the yeah. same. Like in the guys' draw, it's gonna be the same two or three teams. It's gonna be. It's gonna be the. It'll probably be the United States and Spain. I say. I say USA, Spain, Australia. Even though in the USA, Spain, Australia, don't be fool, don't be fooled by Nigeria. Don't be fooled by Nigeria's performance in that warm-up game. No, but no, I'm but I'm very interested. So, I'm a, quickly to end things up though. What are you most interested in seeing in this Olympics that has nothing to do with basketball? Oh yeah, I'm just so excited to see softball and baseball back oh my god i'm so excited and i cannot wait for gymnastics like softball baseball gymnastics i am ready like it's about time softball and baseball are back and i can wait to see it i've just been i've been so hyped since the world baseball classic for baseball in general and it's just going to be so much fun i'm just excited to see um like how competitive these games are going to be in seven. It's going to be so strange. No fans. You only got the media people, but 
it's it's going to just I feel like it's still going to shock people. I feel like they're still going to get high ratings. I'm just excited to see it. You're not going to get the energy, but you lasted a whole WNBA season, an NHL season, MLB season, essentially NHL and MLB, and NBA, part of an NBA season in a bubble. It'll be fine. I mean, the NBA things went, but the WNBA went, so it's going to, that's just going to be interesting to see that dynamic. I, I'm excited. I'm still excited to watch the Olympics. Whatever time any of the games I'm watching comes on, I'm in. I'm done. Who needs sleep? Well, I can tell you what. I, I'm especially looking forward to seeing some softball. I'm, ex- yeah. I'm especially looking. I can't wait to see yet another tense battle between the United States and Australia. Because those, those two teams always seem to get into it. Although I'm interested in seeing what other team, I'm interested in seeing what other nations get better. That's the biggest thing with both those sports. I want to see who takes these sports up. I want to see Simone Biles just. I want to see her have one more performance for the ages. She will. I want to see her just have one more performance. Fans or no fans, she's going to be like, I'm putting on the. I'm going to put on the show for the the whole world's watching via internet and via Peacock and everything else. I'm gonna put on one last. I'm gonna put on one last show, and of course, I'm in, I'm very interested, and I will full. I will fully go on this one. I'm interested in just seeing. I'm interested in seeing Quinn taking the field for Canada. Yes, I'm, I'm not I'm even that big of a soccer fan, but I'm so excited to watch them play. I, I've gotten interested. a lot more into soccer. Yeah, I'm interested in. I'm interested in Quinn taking that field for Canada. I mean, to see them get out there. Make make a piece of history, but also, I mean, but also I'll also admit it. I there is a small part of me that would like to see a Canada United States matchup where they make the difference in Canada winning. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I would not mind. I some I wouldn't mind seeing that. And I'm in, and I'm looking forward to seeing Laurel Laurel Hubbard walk on that platform. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I I don't know how my emotions will be. I think I might cry. I think I might shed a tear through a smile. But that would be something to see. In addition to in addition to just seeing just everything, you know, I'm a I'm a huge track fan. I want to see I I want to see Atiel Mao Atiel Mao in the 800. I think she's going to get the... Here's my bold prediction for the games. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give right. it to you. Atang Mal, United States, 800 meters. 152.97. New world Woo! record. I'm going to call... I will call it. Jermila Krakdopvilova's 38-year-old world record will go down in Tokyo. I'm call. I'm calling it. I'm excited for that. I'm I love a record. I'm gonna call it. I'm. I'm gonna call it right there. I think that record's going to go down. I think there's going to be. A, I. I'm gonna. That's that's my bold move. That's my bold prediction right there. That's Here, it. I'll make a bold prediction too. Okay, give that. me one. Give me one to end this show. 
Brittany Griner is going to break the all-time um, bl- like blocks in one game. She's going to break it. Black record Olympia in the Olympics. Black record one. I could see. I could see it. Like the singular game one. I think it's like. I think the breaking is nine or something in the game. She's gonna do it. I got it. That that's my bold predict- prediction. Might do that in the, might do that in group play. I could see that. I could see that possibly happening against Japan. I think so too. I if they funnel a lot of if they if Japan. Breaks free and goes for butt and goes for the hole and tries to attack the basket. I don't. I mean, cause I don't know. I'd make Brit if I saw number fifteen. If I saw number fifteen between me and the basket, I'm fading away. I'm making. Oh, business, yes. I'm making business decisions. That's one reason why I want. I want two K twenty two. Yes. So I can so I can ha- actually have to make that business decision. So, so Lauren, where can we find you during this during these Olympics? Where can we for for our lip for our listeners and viewers who want to read you? Where can we find you? So I'll be posting all my articles on my Twitter. It's L Rosenberg one zero one. They'll also be shared on Fans Only Sports Networks Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, which is a oh, good question. Me, I always forget what it is because we just. Um, they just rebranded, so I'm like trying to remember. <laughs> it's F O S P O R T Z for Fans Only Sports Network. And that's where y'all will be able to find me for my work and everything. I'm really excited to be covering the Olympics this year. Well, Live from my couch in Texas. Um, we're excited to have you as the official women's basketball analyst of the Transporter Room. And I'm going to tell you right now, for WNBA Finals, we want to have you back. We're going to have I'm you down. back. We're, no, we're going to have you back for the WNBA Finals. Lauren, thanks for joining us here at the Transporter Room. We're going to beam you back down to Houston, Texas. Energize and enjoy the Olympics. And everyone, enjoy the Olympics as well. And thank you for joining us on the Transporter Room. And also, just a reminder, Outsports.com is your rainbow connection to the Olympic Games. And we're going to have a lot of Olympic coverage in the transporter room over these next 16, 17, 18 days of glory. That is the Olympic Games. For Office of the Transporter Room, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper. Study as she goes. We'll see you next week.